You're listening to Jai Long, and this is Make Your Break, episode 139. Hey, you know right now I've got the six-figure business map open for enrollment. Everything's happening. It's pretty fun. And I did an interview not too long ago with Dawn Charles and Emily Majors. If you don't know who they are, they host a podcast called Take It From Us. They're both educators in the wedding photography space. They both bring so much value. Dawn Charles just spoke at the Wedding Photography Summit as well, which was really cool and just blew people's minds. And they took the time to interview me on sales. Now, this is something that I teach inside the Six Figure Business Map. And so I wanted to share this one today with you because it's just like a little sneak peek into what I teach, right? I know when it released on their podcast, so many people were like, man, there's so much good information here. Like, I mean, crazy just writing things down which is so good. I'm always giving out that value. But this is definitely, you know, what's inside the six-figure business map. This is one video of the 130 videos. And we are always working on these things. I know you're going to learn a lot. So if you didn't know me, I believe in sales so much. And I believe to be the best salesperson on the planet, you need to be the best version of yourself. There's no sleazy sales tactics. There's no old school thinking. It's all very forward. It's all very important because without sales, you don't have a business. Without sales, you don't have amazing clients. Without sales, you can't be sustainable. You can't grow your business. You can't donate. You can't contribute. You can't give opportunities out. Like you can't do any of those things. And so many of us, we get so scared of sales because we think that it's something negative or it's so old school or it's, it's conniving, it's cunning, it's, it's manipulating all these terrible things and we associate the word with the wrong thing, right? So I know you're going to learn a lot from it. If you want to join up to the Six Figure Business Map, it's open today. Just head over to jialong.co and you'll see a big button right there that like sends you straight to the sales page. It's $2,497 to sign up right now. Um, it's usually $5,000. And we have 12-month payment plan as well. And this is the last time it's going to be open for the year and it's limited to 300 signups only to make sure it's nice and small. So we got, we got seven of us here right now working on your success. Our biggest metric is to get you results. That's what we do over every other educator. We get so many results for so many people. If we don't get your results, we're giving you a refund on that. I overpromise a lot of things, man, but I'm telling you, I am sold. I am sold on what I do. So if you want to join us, definitely do. But get into this episode, get out a note pen, get out a piece of paper, write down these notes. I want you to learn these things. So this is my 11 commandments on sales. This is my training, my first, this is my introduction to sales inside the business map. And um, I get everyone to remember this stuff. You must remember this off by heart. These things you got to keep going back to because it's going to help you get so many more sales. So this episode's super valuable. If you love it, definitely go over and subscribe to Emily and Dawn's podcast. It's called Take It From Us. You can find it on all major podcast platforms, apps, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I highly recommend you go over and learn from those girls. They're getting on great guests. They're dropping some absolute great knowledge and they're always putting their heart into everything. So definitely get over there. Other than that, I hope you got out your pen and paper. I hope you're ready for today's episode. It's a little bit longer, but there's tons of gold in here. Let's go.
Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of the Take It From Us podcast. Today we have a special guest, Jai Long, on our show. Jai is an Australian-based wedding photographer and serial entrepreneur. He's been a business coach for wedding photographers since 2015, and he's the creator of the Six Figure Business Map. Jai is also the host of chart-topping podcast, Make Your Break, founder of the Wedding Photography Summit, and co-founder of the vegan clothing label, No Skin. We're so excited to have him on the show today and learn all about his knowledge of entrepreneurship and sales. This episode is jam-packed with so much knowledge, and we know that you're going to get as much out of this as we did, so let's dive on in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Take It From Us. We are so excited to have Jai Long with us. Hi, Jai. Hi. How are you? I'm really, really good. I'm really excited to be here today. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Dawn, how are you doing? I'm good. Jai, we're excited for you to be on the show today. Yes. yes. We're about to get into all things sales and increasing revenue, you guys. We're going to crush some myths that we have about sales. We're going to get into Jai's story. He is a incredible teacher and just educator in this realm and completely kills it in his own business using these methods. So we thought it would be so much more beneficial for you to bring in the expert than to try and figure it out for Don and I to talk about it. So we're so excited to get things started. Jai, why don't you take a minute to tell us a little bit more about you and how you got started and where you are today? Yeah, of course. Um, I always hate introducing myself because sometimes it feels like it, you're, I don't know, sharing too much or there's an ego when you start rallying off some of the things that you've done or whatever it is, but I guess it's really important. My name is Jai Long. I'm a wedding photographer. I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. I'm also an educator and podcast host. And uh, I've done a bunch of things. I'm a creative entrepreneur. I've got a clothing line as well. Um, I invest in property. So I've got a property development company. Um, I have had a lot of businesses. I was an electrician for a long time. I had a cafe. Um, I was bankrupt by the time I was 20. Yeah, I think that's pretty much me in a, in a nutshell. And I think um, for me to that's get incredible. here... <laughs> I'm still like, wait, what? That's that like, list of like, I'm, I'm all these things. Oh yeah, and then I was bankrupt. I'm like, yes, tell me more. What? I know. Um, it, it's actually funny. Like I would I'd like to talk about like um, my, first, my first business sort of to get me here because from the outside, a lot of people can see someone being a little bit more, uh, a little bit successful. And then it can be easy to dismiss someone and think, oh, they were born into money or they, they got a great education or, or they got a good network or lots of friends or something. Um, and for, my, for me, like my first uh, business was when I was 19, 20 years old. And I started with my partner and it was a cafe. And this thing, I started this business to change my life, basically. So there was a lot of like, um, like when I was growing up, uh, there were stages when I was homeless and there was a lot of domestic violence and there was a lot of, um, a lot of turbulence. Like, like life was pretty hard for me, um, just, just sort of through my childhood years in, in that kind of sense. And one thing I always wanted is I wanted, I wanted to make some money to change my life because my parents would always fight over money. And you know they both didn't work and all that kind of stuff. So that was a huge factor. And at this stage when I was um, just finished my apprenticeship as an electrician, I wanted to start a business because of this one reason, right? My dad at the time was going into rehab and he really... Uh, he was suffering a lot from um, just like a lifetime of being, being an addict. And I remember going in there and I've seen him and I was like, man, I want to help 
change my dad's life. Like, how can I do that? So the thing I need to do is I need to give him a job. And so I went out and I started ringing everybody. Like back in those days, I went down to the phone booth and, you know, there was like a, um, there was a directory there and you'd be ringing, cold calling people, trying to get my dad a job and nobody would give my dad a job. And I realized like, how do you get someone a job when they're unemployable? You know, like he's an addict. He's in rehab right now. Like he's missing teeth. Um, He hasn't got a track record of ever working and stuff like that. So it was really, really hard. Then I started thinking like, who made the rules? Like, why can't my dad be employable? And then I realized it was the people that own businesses. Like they are the rule makers, right? So I realized I needed to start a business myself. Um, And if I started a business myself, then I'll be able to employ my dad and employ my friends and and like actually call the shots and stuff. And I had no idea about business. Um, and, and it was like my one-on-one, 101 training on business at this stage. So I was 20 years old and I was learning sales, learning how to sell coffees and things like that. Um, unfortunately for me, like my dad actually passed away just before I opened up the doors. So it was like a couple mm-hmm. of weeks before I opened up the doors, which made it really hard. And then that kind of led on to being like a lot of pressure for the business. I, it could sit 300 people. Like it was a big cafe. Uh, I put all my money into it. I got out loans and everything. I had uh, like maybe t- 10 staff members. Like it was huge. Um, and then the day finally came when we had to close the door and we had to give up everything. And um, me and my partner were like living in the car and living in the shop to try and make it work. And yeah, it was like heartbreaking, I think, to um, to kind of lose everything and and so quickly. But for me... It taught me everything about business. You know, the, wow. the easiest way to learn business is, is learn how to lose it all, learn <laughs> all the mistakes, yes. <laughs> like, you know, things that you don't want in your life. Um, and it really fast tracked so many things for me. It made me understand sales because I had to, right? To, to make things work, it's like I had to sell, I had to get out there and get my products in front of people, I had to do marketing well. I, had yeah, I was going to gonna ask, um, how the heck did you start all this without any background in that? You know, and it's, it, I guess, trial and error. <laughs> It's crazy because even back then, I think about it like um, with marketing, like I was doing the same things I do today where I'd be, but it it was old school. So it was like print media. I used to like illegally put billboards on the side of the road until people would take them down, the council would take them down. And I'd be putting signs at the front. I'd be um, always contacting all the newspapers to come in and holding big events and making big PR stunts. And, you know, like I'd be doing all this kind of stuff, which is a lot of the stuff that I do today. But it's the reason why I run big events and stuff today because I've been doing it my whole life. Like I love doing this kind of stuff. I love marketing. I love sales. And yeah, it all comes from that first venture, you know, 15 wow. years ago. That's amazing. So yeah. cool. Like that's such a story. I feel like that needs to be a movie. Like that's just... Yeah, yeah is that your <laughs> next project? Because cool. it needs to be... Just I do want to write a book. I do want to yeah, book. I'd buy sure. it. That's... Incredible. I don't even know how to follow that up. I'm like tearing up over here. Like, this is wow. That's so cool. So, obviously, you've like lived it, you've figured things out through trial and error. So, you've, I'm sure, seen the highs and lows of mistakes and sales and successes and all that. Can you talk a little bit about some of the mistakes you've made um, in your journey with business and sales and with that, like mistakes that you see other people making that you wish, like you could tell your younger self from the beginning how to do things differently. Yeah. It's funny. Like my dad actually taught me a lot of really good lessons and he taught me like he had, he didn't have any money, never worked, no, no drive to work or anything. And he taught me this one thing once I asked him, um, I had $50 and I, and I said, I really want a hundred. And this is when I was a young kid. 
And my dad said, like, if you want 100, you need to learn to give up the 50. And I couldn't understand what he was talking about. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. And he's like, watch it. Like, go out there and get rid of the 50. And so I did. I went out there. I can't remember what I did, but I'm pretty sure I went out and I bought some fuel for the lawnmower to mow my mum's lawn. But then the neighbor asked me to mow his lawn and said, I'll pay you, um, I'll pay you $100 to do it. And then I, oh at the gosh. end of the day, I end up mowing the neighbor's lawn. And I was like, I've got $100 now. And dad's like, it always works like that. You need to learn how to give. And I think wow. one of the things, like I missed it for years and years, uh, this, this like life lesson, but I realized that like a lot of people make the biggest mistake in sales is they try and take and take and take and take. And they think sales is about taking. But when you change it and you change the story and you make it about giving, I think sales can really blow up. Because now you're coming from a place where it's no longer scarcity. Like there is enough for everybody and you can give, you know. And so I guess like the times that I've made mistakes in my life is when I've gone into survive mode, not thrive mode. So I've been trying to charge more, put up my prices. You know, like when I had the cafe, it was like, it was like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to go bankrupt. So I start putting the prices from, from coffees from $3 to $4 to $5 guess what happens? It kills my sales like, because I'm trying to survive. And so when you thrive, when you're in that thrive mode, it's so much easier to give. And when you give, you attract people. So like business becomes really easy. So yeah, my biggest piece of advice for anyone that's making that big mistake is like trying to save, trying to hoard, trying to hang on, trying to keep, trying to you know um, take all the time and taking man. Like Here's a, here's a good example. Like how many times have you been in a Facebook group and people say like, I'm annoyed at my clients. They didn't say thank you on the email or I'm annoyed at the venue because they didn't give me a venue meal at the right time or I'm annoyed at, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, but I've got to say, it's like how many times have you actually walked into the kitchen and said thank you to a chef at a venue? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how, how many times have you actually given? Like how many times do you actually email your clients and say thank you instead of waiting for them to say thank you? And so I think when you change the narrative all the time and you you come from a place of service where you're giving and then you give some more and give some more, it changes the game because you're no longer looking around, where can I take? Because getting a review, is, that's taking. It's like give me something for my mm-hmm. business or get, getting referrals, like taking or getting, you know, getting attention is taking. But what about if you give attention? Oh my gosh. Okay. That end of episode. Blowing my yeah. <laughs> I know. What? 10 that minutes in and I'm like... Yeah. My, when I was young, my dad gave us each, I don't remember how much money it was, but similar situation where my dad, you remind me a lot of him and he's like very good at sales and came from nothing and worked. He was on food stamps and worked his way up with lots of jobs and buying his own car when he was 18 and stuff. But um, he gave us each like 20 or $50 and he's like... I'm, I want to see which one of you out of all of my siblings can turn this into like the most money by the end of the week. And I was too scared to do anything with it. So I'm like, okay, $50 is better than no dollars. So I'm just going to hide <laughs> this in my pocket. And that's how I was with my business for a long time. And that was like, mm. a huge. and then I think my brother did something with it and he made like a couple hundred bucks after selling like mistletoe or firewood or something at Christmas out front of Starbucks. But yeah, that was a huge, that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my business is not holding yeah. on to everything so tightly and yeah, not being afraid to invest back into things. Well, you know, like it's human nature that um, I, th- I think it's like 90, 90% of us, we, we want to always protect the downside instead of 
uh, look at the upside. So it's the reason why if someone becomes a millionaire, they don't become, they don't get a hundred million or ten million. Or the reason why when someone makes a hundred thousand, they don't have two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand is because you get to a point where, for instance, if you got fifty dollars, well, you don't want to lose the fifty dollars. So it's more uncomfortable losing the fifty dollars than it is pleasurable to have a hundred, right? Yeah. Or so if you have a million, it's like it's more uncomfortable to go back to zero than it is to like um, stretch out and go to two million. And so because of that logic, we always make sure that we protect ourselves on the downside. And that is the killer of growth. Like it stops your business. And that's the ceiling that always stops us. Because if we, if we do just a little bit more, we, we stand to lose a lot more. But really, wow. the way that I look at it is like, the upside is infinite. The downside is only $50, but the upside is infinite you could keep multiplying that 50. And then so when I look at that, I'm like, oh my God, I was looking at the wrong thing, you know? Yeah. What happens when you, like, like you said, you're like $50 to my name. Like what, I mean, you, you nailed it on the head of like, that is so terrifying to like do anything with that 50. Cause you're like, well, I need to eat and I need to like, whatever. So how do you, how would you like coach someone into that mindset of like, this is all I have left. I can't spend it, but really... Because I, I, I don't know if I'm wording that question right. I guess I'm yeah, trying I, to... I love that question. Like well, one okay, thing you know is... Pe- pe- well, people like say any anything in that we have is a resource, right? So right now, like $50, all that's saying, it's just a digit on a phone in this day and age and uh, or it's a piece of paper, but it's just a resource that you have. So what people don't realize is like they spend so much time trying to protect the 50, but you have endless amounts of resources. So you can make the 50 again next week. And you don't need money to make money. You need courage and you need energy. So if you've got energy, you can make another 50 and you can make another 50. So with that in mind, uh, well, as, as entrepreneurs, um, I'd love to give you like a little analogy that someone told me once. Let's just say you've got $50 to start your business. I mean, there's not much, but maybe, maybe someone's got you know, 20,000 or something. But what we think is well, once we lose the $50, then we've lost and we've failed. And we think it's like life's not a continuum. It's just all over, right? So we've lost the 50. But what we forget is that life does continue. And so it's like rolling the dice. So imagine if you roll the dice, it costs you $50 every time you roll. But if you do roll it, you'll get... Uh, you, if you rolled a six, you, you would get $10,000. Now, if anyone's that's listening is like me, like an entrepreneur, I'll keep rolling that dice. I'll go back to work tomorrow, make another 50, come back and I'll roll it again. And I'll keep rolling it, keep rolling it. And I know that I'm going to hit 10,000 one day and it's going to be all worth it. Now with that in mind, it means I can start a business this year. And if it doesn't work out, I'll start one next year. If it doesn't work out, I'll start one next year. And if it doesn't work out, and I'll keep putting it in, keep putting it in, putting in my energy, putting in my effort, like, you know, like everything into it. And I know that I will be successful if I don't give up. Does that make sense? So like, if you think about like that, it's no longer, this is the only $50 I have. This is the only chance I have. This is the only bit of energy. It's like, man, go to sleep tomorrow morning. You got full energy again. You're ready to go. Go make another 50. You know, do it all over again. It is that scarcity mindset then again, that is a huge block, which again, actually (laughs) segues into the next question that I have for you. Um, I, we obviously know that you teach a lot about sales and I think that there's a ton of myths regarding sales where most creatives hate the topic and even the word. So how mm. can we get people more excited and comfortable with sales? Awesome question. One, the first thing that we're going to do is change the association with the word. And it really does come down to that. So with the way that we work as humans, right? we, we usually have anchor words. 
And so, and you will notice this with yourself, like an anchor word for me is excited. So I'll say something like, hey, I'm excited about this interview today. I'm excited to talk, talk to Emily and Dawn. I'm, I'm really excited. And my wife always says like, Jai, you're always excited. You always say that. But hey, you know what happens? When I say that word, I smile. And so I get really happy and I do get excited. I get energy. I get energized. And I think about that and it changes my... It changes like, I, I guess like everything about me. But those same words, like imagine if I said something like, Imagine if I used a word and said, Hey, Dawn, you are a liar. Like that word for you would be like, Oh my God, like I, I'm being attacked and, and you were probably recluse and you have an anxiety and all this kind of stuff. And so this word, it, it means something. And so with association with the word like sales, so many of us, we picture a movie from the 90s with a guy standing at a car sales lot and, we're, and they're ripping someone off and we're trying to get away from them because we don't want to get scammed. And... Um, we have this association with sales of like, oh, I don't, I don't want to get uncomfortable. I don't actually want to cold call anyone. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to seem sleazy. I don't want to be a sellout. So we start thinking of all these associations and they're the wrong associations. So imagine if you associated the word sales with your livelihood or with business or with your family, with, with uh, providing with your family, with, with changing your life by like making small income or something. Because sales is the number one most important thing in business. Like I don't care what anyone says. It ain't anything else. It's sales. And so with that in mind, like when someone says, I don't like sales, because people ask me like, Jai, can I join a course, but I don't really want to learn sales? I'm like, man, you're gonna, if you join the course, you're going to be learning sales. Like regardless of anything, that's what yeah. I'm teaching. Because, <laughs> because honestly, if you want to get your art to the people that love what you do most then you need to learn sales. And that's what it's about. If you want to impact people, if you want to connect with people, if you want to create work for years to come for people that love what you do, then you're going to need sales. And, and so sales isn't that always associ- that picture that you're talking about in that movie. Like sales exactly. isn't always so, like that, like association. Exactly. So breaking that so down. If we can change that association, maybe we could do it by like recognizing that every time that we connected with some amazing clients, it was because you made a sale. And like maybe every time you created some amazing work that's portfolio work, it's because it came through a sale. And so if you change the association, I think you will uh, liberate yourself from um, hating sales to like actually going actively, hey, how can I make more sales? Because that makes sense. That's amazing. That is mind blowing. I feel like there's so much like negative connotation with so many words in business that people are afraid of or overwhelmed by. So they Mm. just don't do it or they're like, no, I don't want to be salesy. And it's like, well, salesy that even that word, like, I think that you're just putting sales into a box. Like so many creators put sales into a box of like A plus B equals C. This is what sales means. And I don't want to be annoying. And I don't want to be like just thinking, telling everybody I want their money. And it's like, instead, like, how you said, viewing it in an abundance mindset of like, well, how to run your business, how, yes, how to make more money, but also how to educate and inspire others. Like other, how are you going to like continue to grow your business? So I know you had mentioned something about you have these pillars when it comes to sales. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Absolutely. And like, before I do, so I've got my 11 like commandments that I like teach with sales, but before I do like just to sort of, um, put something else out there with sales, like for you to think about the association, like to be the best salesperson on the planet, it really means being the best version of yourself. And so like, if you want to be the best version, if you want like the most sales, you've got to be the best version. And so you got to think about anyone that you love right now. Like if you, if you love listening to this podcast, why do you listen to Dawn and Emily? It's because, because they put stuff out to the world that 
people love, right? And so you guys are the best versions of yourself. And what happens? It attracts people. And when it attracts people, I mean, you guys, from my understanding, like best serve your clients. Like you're always creating stuff, resources and everything else that best serves people, that changes people's lives. And so with that, it's like you're creating the best version of yourself, which means sales are going to come to you. So with anyone that's out there right now, like with sales, is it really does have to be the best version of yourself. Because if you're a positive person that brings value to people, like that's sales. And that means people are going to come to you and they're going to want to spend with you. So I just wanted to put that out there because it's um, the misconception of sales has been like a sleazy person. But guess what? I never do any sales or any business with someone that I don't trust or that a sleazy or someone that's ripping me off. I just don't. And I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah I love that. That's amazing. So I'll go um, just like 11 tips here. These are things... Just that, 11. Uh, just, I just love 11. it. Like, Bring them on. <laughs> we, we can make them fast, but or if you guys no. want to dive in a little bit um, more. like I want to dive up. in. We've got time. We want all the tips. Okay. We want it all. <laughs> okay. So the first one, this one is a super... I mean, they're all... I'm going to say this about all of them, but this is super important. You must be sold. To sell, you must be sold. And you have to be sold on your own product. So before you try and sell someone else on a product, you have to be sold on it. You have to be. It's almost, it's literally impossible to sell a product that you're not sold on because then you're not coming from a place of truth. Then you are a sleazy sales, you know, car salesman that's trying to sell a dodgy car with, that's been in a crash or something. But if you believe in the car, if you believe this is what someone wants, then you're going to be able to sell it. So with that in mind, like for me, like I, I'm a wedding photographer and I charge, let's just like my middle package is, is about like uh, $7,000. $7, and for me, like the experience that I bring, the images that I make, like I'm, I'm not talking myself up or anything, but I'm like, man, I would all day long pay $7,000 for me to be at my wedding. Like I would. Like I, and when someone walks through my door, I'm like, you guys are going to get the best deal. Someone else could be cheaper than me, but you're still going to get the best deal with me. The most amount of value. I'm going to show up more than anyone else. I'm going to give you such an experience that you're going to walk away going like, oh my God, I can't believe we just stretched our credit card and it was worth it. Like we still got a better value. Does that make sense? Yeah, like there's no question. Like take my money. It's I know it's worth it. I know it's expensive, but it's 100% worth it. No question. Yeah. And so like I'm so... I would never put anything out there that I'm not sold on. And so there's different ways you can make it... So you are sold on it. Like one way is you can change the price. So for instance, if my price was $7,000 and I wouldn't pay myself $7,000 and I don't see the value in it, I personally wouldn't charge $7,000. I would change my offer until I'd go, yeah, that's a good price. I would love... Like that's great value, right? So for instance, like, you know, I've got a course and like I sell that for about two and a half thousand. And when I look at that, I believe it's worth 10 times that. And so when I think about that, I'm like, would I pay 10 times? Like, yeah, I would. So, well, let's be really sold on it and let's sell it for, for just 10% what I think it's worth. And now I'm so sold on it. If someone asks me like, hey, should I come to this thing? I'm like, yes, definitely. And look how much conviction I have. And guess what? I'm so sold on it, man. It's easy for me to talk about it all day long because I want to get it out to the world. Does that make and sense? you know, it works. Yeah, you're not going to be like, well, I don't know, only if you want. If you, if you feel exactly. like you're not like trying to, you're like, yes. And I, I know that it's value and I know you're going to get that from it. So yeah, mm-hmm. the confidence yeah. is game changer. That's yeah. so good. And you can tell when people believe in what they're selling. Like it's very yeah. obvious and transparent when someone is a firm believer in what they're selling and when they are just selling it to 
sell it and make some extra money. So yeah, that's that's great advice when it comes to pricing too, because we get asked, what do I set my pricing at? But a great point is whatever you would be super pumped to pay yourself. You know, if you if you wouldn't pay that yourself, then it's not worth that much to anyone else. If you're not sold on it, man, it's going to be hard to sell. So second one, and this one is a little bit different to popular belief because most people say like, make sure you under-promise and over-deliver. Now, that was taught like back in the 80s and 90s by sleazy salespeople. And it's, it's dishonest because what we say with something like that is, um, is like, hide something so then we give them a better experience then they're going to talk about us and then we're going to get some leads. So we're like manipulating manip- manipulating someone to try and have a better perceived value of our business. So then they share it so we can do some marketing, right? And so what I don't like about that is you're starting a relationship on a lie. Like you're purposely saying to someone, well, you're not saying to someone what they actually get because secretly you're going to give them something more. And so I don't like lies. Like that's just not how I operate, right? I told you guys, I'm an Enneagram 8. So everything's everything straight up front. Like you, like you always know what you're going to get with me. Now, I say like over-promise, then deliver. Instead of under-promise and then over-deliver. I say over-promise, then deliver. Because a few things. If you're over-promising, then it's ethical to show up and deliver on the promise. Because if you didn't, then you, you are ripping people off. So you go... Like if anyone is uh, running a business from their heart, they're always going to deliver on a promise. They have to, right? Word spreads pretty quick if you don't. But if you don't overpromise, you're not even going to be in the neighborhood of booking out years worth of work. Now think about it. If you went to watch a movie and you're standing in line to go buy a ticket and there was a whole lot of posters next to you and one says like, this one's all right. Average actors, three stars out of five. Doesn't really say much. And you've only got $20 to spend on a movie. And then the next one says like, box office hit, you know, five stars, the best actors, the best director. New York Times says this about it. Like, without even knowing the two, which one are you going to spend the $20 on? Now, for me, I've only got an hour and a half and $20. Like, I'm like, I'm going for the one that's overpromised me. Because I know it's an ethical obligation for them to deliver. Because if they didn't, we'll be getting on social media and we'll be talking about it, right? So overpromise. And so if you jump on someone's website, if you, you guys, this, this podcast mainly for wedding photographers, yeah? Partly. Yeah, photographers, entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. So if you jump on like wedding photographers, entrepreneurs website, like most of the time they keep their services a secret. Like I don't tell anyone that I do videos or that I shoot elopements or that I have albums or that I do slideshows or that I can be there all day or I can be there half day or I can have a second photographer, I can have a third photographer, I can do weekends, I can do night times, I can do, you know, like whatever it is. And so it just says like, I'm a wedding photographer, get in touch. And it tells me nothing. And it's so severely under-promised because they got everything on their price guide because they don't want anyone to copy what they're doing. So again, protecting the downside. It means that I'm not even going to send them an inquiry because I'm going to go to the person that's actually telling me that like, hey man, come to me. It is $7,000 and I'm going to give you the best experience on the planet. I'm telling you that right now. I promise you that I'm going to stay for longer than what you paid for. I'm going to give you more images than what you expected. I'm going to give you a better client experience than what you ever thought possible. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure does. That's amazing. And such a different mindset shift. This is so good. Yeah. What's number three? Oh my God. So number three, it's never about the price. 
I've got to say, like so many people, we think it's about the price. It's never about the price, man. I'm telling you, I've been in sales for so long now. When someone, when someone tells me that um, I'm out of their budget, you know what I usually do is I usually upsell them. Because what oh happens gosh. is they... So budget, right? Budget is uh, reflective of, of value. So for instance, if someone came to me and they said, um, oh, Jai, like I, I want to book you for my elopement. Um, it's going to be four hours and it's going to be interstate. What's your packages? And my budget's $2,000, right? And so if I said back to them and I said, well, $2,000, like that's awesome. We can definitely make that happen. So, but here's the thing, like for $2,000, I could be there for like two hours. Uh, it won't cover my travel and we won't probably get the best photos that you're looking for, right? But imagine this. Imagine if I was actually there for four hours. Plus, I know you got people coming in from everywhere so we could do a live stream. Plus, we could do some family photos. I could be there for another two hours to make something incredible about that. Now, look, this is going to stretch your budget a little bit because we're talking about $5,000 now, but you only get married once. And if it was my wedding, I would definitely not compromise on this. So it's up to you. I can come there for $2,000. Absolutely, I can do that. Or we could go to what you actually want, right? That. Because we think all this, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we always, we always think like, oh man, <laughs> like the whole thing is, it's like, um, here, here's another example. Someone said to me the other day, like, hey, Jai, I think, so my course is called um, the business map, right? They said, Jai, your course is too expensive. Uh, it's out of my budget. And I said, okay, so you don't have two and a half thousand for my course. That's fine. Now, what about this? What about if I spent a week and I jumped into your Facebook ads and I started tweaking your Facebook ads? until I get you leads. And then I could also drive around to some venues and I could get your name out to some people. And I could jump on your website, make sure it's ranking in Google. And I could set you up a YouTube channel and I could audit and check out your Instagram page. And it's only going to cost you $10,000. Like, would you do it? And they said, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'll definitely do that. But I thought your budget wasn't even two and a half thousand. Well, it wasn't for the offer that I had. But if I created a new offer, it's because it's solving a new problem. So everyone stretches a budget. And, it, and no one even knows what their budgets are. Everyone makes money. Like, I mean, why do we have afterpay? Why do we have credit cards? Why do we have loans? It's because our budgets are already way gone. I spent my budget years ago. I'm on credit card oh, now. Oh, yeah. Oh, I for sure went over my wedding budget when I got married. Yeah, and I was so like, oh, I. the budget. And I'm like, <laughs> that went way out the window because things were worth it to me though. And they 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 were like, a no. <laughs> some things were no brainers or whatever. So yeah, when you say budget, I'm like, does anyone really know what their budget is? Are they really sticking to that? Man, my budget, and I tell you not, um, not a lie here, my budget for my wedding was 25000 because I was like, I want to pay all my vendor friends. I actually didn't know how much everyone cost. And <laughs> man, we had to stretch. I had to do some extra workshops and stuff to make this happen. But my wedding was $50,000 yeah. because I didn't let any of my vendor friends give me a discount. I was like, no discounts. Like We have to make this happen. And at the end of it, I was like, fifty grand. I can't even believe this. Yeah. I was like, my budget, right? was half of what the wedding actually was. And there's no way I wouldn't have spent that money because it was incredible. Imagine what you're... And that was basically my story of like half my budget. It was two times my budget at the end of the day. But like, I, I try to imagine my wedding at the budget that I created in my head, which oh, yeah. was kind of out of thin air. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man, that would have been awful. Like, you yeah. know, so when you... I love that, that you can like sell them into it of like... And not even sell them, convince them of the truth. You're not mm. selling them a lie of like, well, I'm just going to say all these things so that you do give me money. You're literally convincing them of like what value this is actually going to bring and why it should be different. And I also love that you are in there like, I'll do it for your budget. 
it's just going to look like yeah. this. Because a lot of people are like, oh, sorry, out of my budget. Next, like, don't even want to talk to you, you peasant. Like, I feel like that's so, like, such a crazy thing too. Of like, wow, I, we're missing so much opportunity by one, convincing people and being the experts because we are the experts in our field and they're not. So they're like, well, we just want all of this for this. And I'm like, well, that's actually not how that works. So let me educate you on what you can have mm. and what it would be like, what it would cost and why. So I'd love that. Yes. A lot of times people's budgets are so arbitrary because I remember when I was getting married, I was like, oh, my budget for a florist is, I don't know, $3,000. And it's like, then you meet with a couple florists and you're like, oh, this is going to cost $10,000. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, I knew that I wanted a certain level of mm. value from this person. I just had no idea how to gauge what that would cost. And it just takes some education and you know, a reality check after talking to people to learn what that budget actually is. But I think people, they just make up this number of, oh, it'd be nice if I came to them and said, my budget's $2,000. And they're like, yeah, sure. You're like, great. But if they say it's 10,000 and I really have my heart set on something, I'm going to change my budget, you know, because I just made up this number out of nowhere. So yeah, I think people and, and are do more it. flexible. Hey, we, than we, we make up this number. Like yeah. I, I did it not long ago. Like I hired a um an architect, and I knew I, I like my budget was like yeah, architect twenty thousand dollars. That should be good in my head. Like just making up a number out of thin air, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I talked to my um architect, and he's like, "Oh, what would you like?" And then he's like, "What's your budget?" And then he was like, "Okay, so I can work with your budget, and this is what you're gonna get. But what you actually want was this, and it's double the price. How do you feel?" And I was like. Oh, yeah, don't worry about my budget. That was just me making up numbers. Like I I want the thing, right? And so imagine if he just said like, no, I can't work with you. Or like, uh, imagine if he only just gave me what the budget was. Like then I would have such a bad experience because I was like, that's not actually what I wanted. And I was willing to pay more. It's just right. that I limited how much I wanted to pay. A hundred percent. And it's just to finish off this, it's it's never about the money. It's the fear of making the wrong choice. And so if you haven't made it the right choice for someone, man, then it, like that's where the problem is. So make it the right choice. Like I make it such a right choice. If someone walks into my studio and they said like, I'm thinking about talking to, you know, three other photographers and the guy down the street's a little bit more, is a little cheaper than you. Like I'm sold. This is what I say. I'm, I'm sold on my stuff and I'm over promising. Hey, you're going to have a better experience with me. And he might be cheaper. You're still going to get more value with me. You're still going to get a better deal. You're going to pay more money and you're going to get a better deal. Like, how's that? You know, not many people will be that convinced and have that much confidence. But I do because I'm so sold on what I'm doing. Yes. And it comes with the confidence. And that's why, I mean, we, Don and I have always talked about like, don't charge what you're not comfortable producing just because you think other people are charging that or you should be charging that because then you won't have, you're going to have fear like 24 seven going into anything of like, can I deliver that? I don't even know mm -hmm. if that's like, if I'm worth that, that sounds great. Yeah. I would love that in my bank account, but I don't know if I can actually produce that. So that's incredible. I'd love that. Hey, and just, there's all different ways you can overpromise and do things like a good example. Sometimes like it's, it doesn't make sense financially. Like a good example is I'm like running the summit right now. And we're sending out journals for free to people. Like these journals cost me a lot of money and we're shipping them worldwide, which costs a lot of money. And we're sending them free with a $7 ticket. But that's just me being one, sold on something, making it irresistible and then ends like over delivering on my over promise. But also it's just something that's... um, It's like you're so sold on something and then you're 
you're going above and beyond to create something that you know people are going to love. And I think not enough of us think about that. It's like, how can you give? Like going back to that, give a little bit more, give a little bit more. Number four. Hopefully I haven't lost you guys yet with the boring sales. Oh my gosh, I'm invested. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Conversation equals sales, right? Now, the more that you understand and you have empathy with your clients, the more likely you're going to make more sales. And it's not about sales scripts. It's not about... It's not about asking them... I don't know. It's just not about sales scripts. It's not, it's not, it's not about like there's anything that you, know, you can buy of someone to, to get the perfect script. It's about listening and understanding. Now, let's just put a little analogy together here. Imagine you walked... I'm, I'm the sleazy car salesman. You walked into my car yard and then you're like, oh, you know what? My budget's $10,000 and I'm going to go and buy myself a car today that's going to be for the family. And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be blue and I can't wait. So you walk into the car sales yard and then I'm standing there and I say, hey, like, what are you looking for? And oh, my car, like I want something about 10,000. Well, I've got something here, it's 15,000. What do you think about this? Uh, it's two-door, it's sporty, it goes fast, like you're going to love it. Um, sign the papers here. Then you're going to walk away. Like that's not what I want, right? So you're just talking at someone. But imagine, now I'm a new car salesman. I'm a car salesman from 2021. So imagine you walk onto my car lot and I'm like, oh, you're looking for a car. Like, so what is important to you? Oh, actually... Uh, I've got a big family and safety is actually really important. And I'd like, to, like it to be blue because a lot of my friends have blue cars and it'll be really nice to show up in something. And then I could say, hey, okay, I do have a few choices for you. Uh, for $10,000, you do have this one here. It's not quite what you're looking for. Um, it's only got five seats. And to be honest, like it's going to cost you a little bit more because it's a little bit older. Now, I do have something to stretch in your budget. This one here is about 16000 but it is blue and it has seven seats. Hey, and this is the one that people are going to be turning their heads when they see you rocking up. It's a little bit newer. It's going to cost you less in the long run. It's more fuel efficient as well because I know you've got a growing family. What do you say? Now, chances are on the second one, the conversation is what sold it. It was like this person actually understood me and then didn't sell me the fast sports car because it's not what I want. I've got five kids. Sold me the seven-seater because they asked the right questions. Now, too often when someone has an email... Um, and someone says, hey, my budget's this. Uh, we just get on the defensive thinking like, well, they're not valuing me for starters. And then you know, the conversation goes downhill. But the second thing is we don't ask the right questions ever. You know, We never ask the right questions. Imagine if you got in and you started asking the right questions of like, who's the most important person at your wedding and why? And where are they coming from? And what does it mean for you to have them there? Okay, what's the most important part of the day? What's the most important detail? Now, if I ask these questions, guess what? I'm going to be the best photographer they've ever had. When I said I'm going to overpromise, I'm going to overdeliver, I'm sold on it. It's because if grandpa's coming from um, Utah all the way to Colorado and it's a big deal and he's going to be there for one day, guess what? I'm going to spend 40 minutes if I have to to get the best portrait of grandpa, right? Well, I'm not taking photos of all the, all the, um, the florals and details because they didn't even mention those things. You know, and it's not for me and my portfolio and to get featured somewhere. It's for them. And grandpa's the most important. Family photos are the most important. And so with those conversations, when I'm sitting in a client meeting, it's going to be easy for me to convert when all I am doing is selling them exactly what they want. Yes, that's it. That is like literally right it. And I think, I think, yeah, I think that's what we, we 
think that we're doing or think like, cause when you said that about like, we usually go on the defense, I think that's people are like, well, I know I can give this and you're not valuing me. That's exactly what people say. So they're like, sorry, not available. Or you're way under budget or whatever, instead of like, I don't want them because they don't want what, you know, what I am. And like, do they even know who I am? But yeah, but it's like, do they Yeah, have conversations with them and understand what they're actually Mm. looking for? There's probably a middle ground there that you don't realize like they actually do want what you're offering and they just are like unaware of what that costs. And it just takes some education. and Or they're, they're unaware of what you have to offer because you're right. not educating them on that. You're just dismissing them instead yeah. of like, well, tell me more about what you want and what you need. And I will tell you honestly, if I can do that. And it's like, I actually can do it better. And here's why. Yeah. I think um, conversation in the wedding photography space, is, it kind of gets, um, I guess a little bit old really fast because what happens, like when someone sends you an inquiry and if people are ghosting you, chances are what you're writing to people is like, hey, yes, my name's Jai. I am available. Um, just to let you know, the experience is going to be like this of me. I'm a documentary wedding photographer and I like to connect with my couples and I like to do this and I'm really good at this and I won this award and I'm on a podcast. Hey man, the quickest way to kill a kill conversations to talk about yourself all day. They've already been on your on your Instagram. They've already checked out your website. They've already seen you about me video. They've already done their research. And now when you have the conversation, you're talking about yourself the whole time or the photos the whole time. You know, and I think that's the wrong way. So imagine instead of doing that, you talked about them. Like you did the giving thing. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about you and what is it important to you. And then you only made it about them. So if anyone comes to me and talks to me about like wedding photography, there is almost nothing about conversations around wedding photography itself or me as a photographer or my style or what I do. I just say, don't worry about it. It's all good. But they're like, Joe, what's your stuff? Don't worry about that. I've got you. You know, you don't need to worry about a thing. All I want to know is what you want. You don't need to worry about me, man. I'm a professional. It's what I do, right? And so I put them at ease because I sell insurance. I'm letting them know that like, hey, man, you don't need to worry about... I'm not trying to justify myself to you. You've already seen that. Let's talk about you. So I just wanted to end, end that on that. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, when I hire a plumber to come fix my toilet, I'm not asking them like, you know, tell me how you do your job and like explain everything to me. I'm like, I'm <laughs> how just did you get started? That you know, <laughs> you're the expert. I'm just going to let you do your thing. I'm not going to tell you how to <laughs> do all of this and just yes. trust that you know what you're doing because you do, you're the expert. So yeah, that's when you can put them at ease being like, you know, I'm the professional and I've got you covered, then that's great because then there's a level of trust and then you're able to be more creative and serve them better because they trust you and you have the freedom to, you know, do your job the way that you know how to do it. I love that. Love this. I love this three-way conversation on the podcast. This is really good <laughs> dynamics. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, this is you so good. You guys are onto something here. Okay. <laughs> number five? five. Number five. So number five is going to be controversial to start with until I talk us through it, but it's agree. You always have to agree. Agree 100% of the time. Now, this may sound like sleazy sales tactics, but here's the thing. You can't change someone's... You can't change someone's mind or someone's perception of value or you can't have a conversation with someone if you disagree. Because if you disagree, you stop a conversation. Now, if you agree, you can then come to common ground and you can change a conversation. So for instance, if someone says to me, Hey, Joe, like, um, your prices are really expensive. I agree. They are expensive. 
hey, but there's a lot of there's a lot in this. So like, if you're thinking you want that wedding photography, you know, if you want my services, like, let's talk about that, and I can change the conversation because my services are expensive. I don't disagree with that. You know, like if you go to if you go and have a pizza, right, and you're sitting there and it's like the pizza comes out thirty dollars. And so one thing is you're going to have an objection or a complaint. You're going to have a complaint. The complaint is like, oh man, this pizza is expensive. And then the guy selling it to you should be like, I agree, the pizza is expensive. Yeah, and you know, it's organic and I, and I imported in these ingredients and, and we've been working hard on it. It's, very, it's a beautiful pizza. Absolutely agree with you. Here's the check. You know what I mean? Like here's the bill. And so um, you need to always agree with everything because that's the only way to successfully address people's limiting beliefs. People's limiting beliefs could be something like, oh, Jai, I don't think you're going to be there for long enough. Like, I agree. It's going to be a short amount of time. But you know what I can do is we could actually work together and plan your wedding out. So then you get the best amount of impact with, with this package that you actually booked. Now, what do you think about that? So if I said, oh, I disagree because I could make it work, then it, it's telling them that they're wrong. And you're dis counting like their actual feelings and their beliefs. And then you're not going to be able to actually work through it. But if I agree with someone, then I can actually work my way through it and then get them to a point. Now you can do this at any time. Like for instance, like if my wife's like, um, if she wants to go and have Indian food and I want to have Italian food and she's like, no, we have to have Indian food. I'm like, I agree. Okay, we have to have, a, like, we have, to have Indian food. Like that sounds awesome. And then she's like, okay, cool. Like she's won the battle, right? But then from there I can go, Hey, but we did have Indian food last week. What would you feel? Would you, would you be against having Italian tonight? And then she would say, oh, well, I'm not against it. I'm not either. So let's go to Italian. You know, so then it's like, we so can actually change the conversation. Manipulator. Yeah. I'm going to use this on Tommy. <laughs> just agree, right? Always yeah. agree. And it really is. And it's, it's just a respectful thing to do to the other party. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying like you're manipulating anybody. It's just that all you're saying is like, I understand how you feel. I understand your objection and what you're saying to me. Totally. And if someone says to me like, Jai, you're really expensive. Like, Jai, like you shouldn't be charging that much. I agree. I absolutely agree. I am expensive. Yeah, have a look. Now, you're going to pay by credit card or money transfer? <laughs> like, how's that happening, right? Because I know it's a complaint, but it, it doesn't, like a complaint doesn't stop a sale. Like we all complain all the time. But we still yeah. do things. We still eat the pizza. That was $30. <laughs> I think that also like lessens the blow of the $30. Like when you were saying that to me, I was like, if someone were to be like, yeah, I fully and I agree with you that this is expensive and here's why and this is what we're doing. I'd be like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like instead of you being like, yeah. not really. We just whipped it together real quick with like ingredients from the freezer. Like I don't understand what your problem is. Sign this, you know, like. Or imagine if they said to you like, well, you're at the wrong restaurant because you got no money. Like get out of here, <laughs> then you'd be like, "Oh man, I f- I feel so terrible about myself." Yes, in and front a of lawsuit. my friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a lawsuit coming, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's so. Oh, I love that. I love it. Okay, so number six. So this one I talked about before, but this one is give, give, and then give, and then give. So on my one, it says give three times, but then give more. So when I say give, guys, like I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about you need to like starve because you got no more money because you just gave it all out. I'm talking about like give attention, give a better client experience, give more energy, give the person, give the person more wins, give them, give them a hug, a smile, give them a compliment, give them something, right? Like giving people attention is something that's incredible. You know, give them eye contact, god damn it. 
eye contact. Like <laughs> the amount of times I go and order a coffee and I get from, you know, I, I feel terrible because I'm getting it from someone that won't even turn their head for two seconds to actually like give me eye contact. And I'm like, you know, aren't I a valued customer? Like, can't you just at least have a look at me and say, thank you? Like, I don't understand. But just give. And so if you take one thing out of this podcast today, you need to think about like, how can you show up and give more in your business? And my business is, my business is insanely successful. Like all my businesses are. They're insanely successful. And I've, I believe it's because I help people become insanely successful. And it's because I'm giving them. Like insanely successful in any aspect. Like if they want really nice photos like, and they want to be featured in all the magazines and stuff, I can make that happen for you. I'm going to give that to you. You know, like it's not even expected of me, but I'm going to make it happen. Because I want to keep giving, giving that attention, giving whatever it is. Now, I think a lot of us, we run on, like without, without giving, we, we run on entitlement. We think people owe us something or because we've got lots of followers on Instagram, people deserve or they should be listening to our podcast or they should be signing up to our courses or they, they should be doing these things. And entitlement is like the killer of business. But when you actually show up and you give and give and give and give that little bit more like every time... Because you got to remember this, for every sale to be successful, um, the client, it needs to be an unfair sale. The client needs to walk away with the upper hand. They need to walk away and get like, oh man, that was a good deal. I got the upper hand. I, like, Jai got ripped off actually, you know. Like when someone pays seven bucks and they get one of my journals and everything, like I want them to feel like, oh, I got the best out of Jai because that's a good deal, you know. And that means I gave so much to the limit of like it was draining my bank account. Like that's how much I'm giving right there. Does that make sense? Totally. And people are like getting the better end of the deal with this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> with the summit and the, the workbook. I'm like, that's like an insane deal. Why would people not sign up for that? So yeah, I love that. Have them walk away feeling like, wow, I won today. In every aspect of your business, if your clients always feel like they're winning, they're going to keep coming back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And we say something similar, like we say, serve, serve, serve before you sell, you know, like serve mm. the heck out of people before you ever try to take their money. And that applies to um, whether people are coming to you for education with you're serving them with free resources and just on your Instagram, the information you're giving out, or if that's your clients, you're serving them before they ever book you like with, Hey, here's some places that you could potentially elope and like I had some ideas for your outfits and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, wow, I haven't even booked this person yet. And they're giving me all of this information for free. Like, how are they going to serve me once I start paying them? Like, I definitely yeah. want to give this person my money. And not only do they feel served, but they feel like, wow, this person's the expert in this field because they have all these resources and information to share with me. But they're also willing to put in the energy to go above and beyond for me. So... I feel like I won. I want to pay them because they've already served me so well. Love that. Like, uh, just for the listeners out there, there's usually two pools of people that I've come across over my years of, you know, working with people and, and everything. So, usually you have a pool of people that are like super successful and it's like, how the hell did they get there? And then you have a pool of people that's like probably struggling a little bit. And now, with the super successful people that I see, they're always giving so much. And I'm always like, man, they're amazing. They just keep giving. And it's just, it's just like a joy to be around. It's like they, they give me confidence. They, you know, they give me a, an ear to listen so I can talk to them. Like they give me, give me, give me. But then in the pool of uh, 
people that are like struggling, they always come up with the question like, what if people are taking advantage? What if I'm giving too much? Like, what if, like, you know, like, what if it's, it's just too much, too much? But the problem is that pool, they didn't even get into the neighborhood of giving too much. Like they're so worried about giving too much, but they're not even close. Because when you see the people that are so successful, it's like, man, like they are just out there giving all day long. And guess what? The, re- the world always rewards those that bring something to the world, you know? So that just blows my mind, I think. I love that mindset too. That mindset of like people first and others first and like, you know, loving your neighbor before, like just well and doing things well. And it says so much about your business and whatever you're offering as well, because it's like, I, I value this. I value you. I like no wonder that is an easy sell. And when people think about like, Oh, there's all this tactic and stuff for selling. And it's like, it could, I mean, from what you're saying to me, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, yeah, like a, no, being confident in yourself. Be a nice uh, person. <laughs> be, yeah, be a nice person, believe in your product and talk about it and give. Like, wow. Okay. I wish the whole yeah. world... We'd be very, very wealthy in just humanity if more people followed this lifestyle. It's funny because I'm really good at teaching business because I know business. I've been doing it. But the thing about business, it's just common sense. It's just not many people use their common sense. And so when you teach it like this, it's like, oh, it gives people permission to understand it is as easy as taking photos or as doing anything else. It's like, is this actually, is Joy actually giving me the secrets of business right now? Like, is this as easy as it is? And like, yes, it actually is. Yeah. And and I think people are waiting. People are waiting for this like step by step of like, use this template, do this, this, and then you will find success. And I think that's like the disappointment that some people have when they go through you know, courses or read a book or something that is like their, I think their mindset, like through all these things are needs to be shifted. It can't, you can't find the success in like a to-do list. It's, it's more of a mindset shift and a confidence builder and a, like just a strategy. I think that's just like so huge. I heard recently, um, I was reading the book Atomic Habits and it was a really good book about just like changing your mindset of like everybody has the same goal, but it's the systems that you have in place mm-hmm. that make you obtain that goal. And like when you think about it, like at a, a soccer game, both teams have the goal to win. It's not that one came and didn't want to win, but the systems that they had in place to get to that goal is what made them win. Like, you know, having that. better practices, having better, like, you know, uniforms that fit better to make you run faster. I don't know. But just like the systems that are in place are what is going to get you to that goal. So sometimes it's not even about goals. It's about how you're doing everything in between to get to that goal. Totally. Just a train all the way up before the game. I love that. Okay. Number seven. This one is a little bit obvious, but I think to some people, they need to hear it. <laughs> We're in the people business. So that's what number seven is. You're in the people business. And so a lot of us get mixed up and we think we're in, we're in the photography business or we're in the creative entrepreneur business or we're in the education business. But we're not. We're in the people business. Now, I'd love to give you some real world examples of this of where I see like maybe people doing it a little bit wrong. What One example is I see some, something really interesting. Um, when I say we're in the people business, it means you got to listen to the people that are giving you business, right? And so one thing I see in Facebook groups is people, they add free engagement sessions onto their wedding photography packages and then their clients always want to take it off or they don't understand the value of it. And then the issue becomes inside these Facebook groups is like, oh no, you need to educate your clients on why they need 
this engagement shoot, right? So, and, and don't never take it off. Like you have to give it to them and it has to be free. And so my issue with that is if everyone has to educate our clients, maybe our clients just don't want it and you're not listening. Now for me, if my, if, if my wedding photographer said I had to have a free engagement shoot, there's no way I would hire them because I hate photos. Personally, I just do, right? I want a wedding photographer because I'm like, I want my family photographed. I want these moments with my wife. I want that in- intimacy photographed. Like I, w- I want moments photographed. I don't want me standing in a field. It's just not what I want. It's not what I value. Also, I'm a creative entrepreneur. I'm busy, man. And so if you're trying to go for people that want engagement shoots and stuff, you're trying to go for people that don't have money usually because people that have more time have less money and people that have more money have less time. And so when you're trying to force someone to do an extra shoot whilst they're probably a business person, they're probably uh, organizing a whole wedding, they might even have a kid. Like they've got so much stuff going on. And then you're forcing them to do something extra. It's like extra resistance. And was it best for them or was it best for you to make you comfortable in front of the, make them comfortable in front of the camera or to get to know your clients or something? So I think a lot of the times like it's a decision based on more selfish reasons and less about actually what your client wants. Now, I'm not saying don't do engagement sessions. I think don't have it on there, but then have the conversation. What are you looking for? Do you think an engagement session is something that you would love? If they say yes, say, you know what I'll do? I'll add one of those in for free. And now you're just crazy over-delivered on something they actually wanted. You know, hey, I usually charge $1,000 for those. I'm going to give it to you right now. Like, how's that sound? Because I know that's what you want. And it's going to make us get to know each other more. But if it was someone like me and they, said, and they asked me, like, hey, would you like an engagement session? I was like, no, definitely not. They're like, good. I don't think... I agree. You know, I'm too busy as well. You know, so then all of a sudden... You know, you're doing less work and I'm getting better served. And I think that would you ask them what they want instead? Like if in your situation, would you would you hope that your photographer at that point would be like, okay, that we can we don't have to do that is what else is important to you? To like add value back to that? Well, here's a crazy thing. Like there's different ways to add value, right? So one way to add value is by listening and seeing what's the biggest pain point. So if someone sat with me for five minutes, if they're a wedding photographer, they would go like, oh, this guy doesn't want to mess around. He just wants to pay and he's busy. So one of the things I won't do is ask him what extra value can I add to him because I already know what it is. Save him time. And so if I just ask him less questions and offer him less things, I know he's going to be way happier. So you don't always have to ask what's the thing that's going to give more value. Because if someone is like insanely busy... Like I, I shoot a lot of people that have like really cool businesses. They're like CEOs of things and startups and all this kind of stuff. I shot like last year was a, a woman that was like became Australian Woman of the Year and she just like her business just hit 100 million and all this kind of stuff. Now, if I sat in there and I was like telling her, like trying to educate her why she needs to have an engagement shoot or like what extra value can I bring her? I already know what the value is. Hey, I'm not going to share these photos with anyone. I'm going to make this so easy for you. I'm going to, um, we don't even have to have this meeting if you don't want. You know, like just pass me on to your wedding planner. Don't worry about a thing. I've got you. I'm just letting you know that. Now that means I could probably charge an extra $10,000 because I'm not wasting your time. So, but that's just so, listening to the right people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that because your example in the beginning was talking about engagement sessions like being, you know, forced upon people are like, you need this because, you know, we think we're educating them for, and I've been guilty of this of like, 
I, I do think they're, I mean, for me, I'm like, I love shooting them. They're so fun. Like I would love to give you that experience as well. But when they're not, or some people have definitely come and been like, Hey, I see that there's an engagement session, like in this package, if there isn't like if they're if we don't do that because say they don't want it or they've already done one or whatever, um, or they don't have time, then they're like, can we? You know, they always ask like, can we? Will the price be cheaper? Like, can we take it out or can we? Add, and and my approach and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but my approach is more of like they are included in that package. But if you don't want that, I would never force you to have them. So instead, let's add value somewhere else. Let's add an hour to your wedding day. Instead of like, yeah, we'll just yeah. keep docking prices. Like it's never going to be cheaper <laughs> or less expensive. It's going to be... Because it's not cheap in the first place. That was the wrong word. <laughs> but like, it's never less expensive. It's always like adding more. More stuff. Oh, totally. And like, I, I agree with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank but you. I, I, but but I do think um I do think we we need to stop putting free engagement shoots into our packages because here's one thing. We say, oh, engagement shoots worth a thousand dollars, but it's free in this package. But if you take it out of the package, well, it was just free. So what we're saying is, hey, I'm willing to work and show up for free. People ain't gonna be valuing that thing. Because it is free and you've anchored it as free. And if you take it out, it's still just free. So if you change the narrative and then it, you just took it out completely, I bet you your conversion rates will go up. And I know they will because I think I've done this over a thousand price guides now with a thousand different students and they've all gone up like crazy amounts. And then you change it and said, well, you can add an engagement shoot for an extra additional $500. They're usually a thousand, but I can add it for another $500. The people that actually want it, they're getting a great deal and they're probably going to upsell themselves to it because they want it, right? We don't need to devalue ourselves and think that we need to do stuff for free because we don't. And so I believe you're going to make more money. You're going to work less. You're going to better serve your clients if you just change that one little thing in your price guide. Oh. All right, everybody report back to Jai once you've all done this and we're just all millionaires. It'd be great. <laughs> okay. Jai, I have a question about um, yes. like saying it's worth a thousand dollars, but I'm gonna give it to you for five hundred. How do you do that without because we usually teach our students don't give discounts because you don't want to devalue your work. Like there's a reason you set your pricing at seven thousand dollars for your middle package. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to say like well, $7,000 is the price, but you have a lower budget. So I'm going to discount at 30%. How do you avoid devaluing what you're offering when you are giving those like, you know, I'm going to give it to you for $500? Oh, totally. So one of the things like when I'm talking about um, engagement sessions, I'm talking about it's like a $7,000 package and then engagement session on top. So I always discount all my upsell orders because I'm like, yeah, you've already paid me the price. And now it's like, you're getting the average order spends higher. I personally do give discounts. I've, I've given discounts and I work for free you know, my whole life. But I, I, if someone wants 30% discount, they also get 30% less time or less something. So, and they're always surprised. So, for instance, like, oh, Jai, like $7,000 for, um, for seven hours seems a little bit ridiculous. Like, could we please get it for $5,000? I'll be like, yeah, of course. Like, I absolutely agree. It is expensive. Like, we don't need to stretch that. So, that's going to give you five hours, which is totally fine because what we're going to do is we're going to rework your uh, wedding day to make it all fit. It's going to be a little bit crammed. Like, you know, trust me, we're compromising here. 
but that's just what we need to do to fit with the budget, right? And then chances are that, oh, actually, I don't know if we should... I'll talk to my partner, but I don't know if we should be compromising. It might be the wrong decision. It probably is. Right. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. That's what I always say. Like, if they're going to take away from the budget, you got to take away from the offer, you know? Um, yeah, that's Yeah, great. otherwise it's just... Otherwise it's... um You've inflated the price and it's for no substance if you do right. that. If you just give yeah. a discount for no reason, it's like, well, that, am I just discounting profit? Like, what happened yeah. there? And, and you're saying that what you're offering isn't worth what you're charging. That's like when I go into certain stores and it's like, oh, this store that all Hobby Lobby, I don't know if you guys have those things, but like <laughs> everything is always 50% off. And I'm like, well, that just means that they have crazy markups and that the things aren't actually worth that much. So I just devalue all their product because I think, well, if you always have a discount, then obviously it's not worth very much in the first place. So yeah, I think that's a good way of just discounting the upsell or taking away from the offer. You also like if you're always giving a discount, um, you condition your clients for a discount. Um, a lot of people don't realize this. You know how like a lot of people do like free webinars or like you, like they do a lot of free YouTube and stuff. Like if you're an educator and you're doing free all the time, you condition people never to spend money with you. So YouTubers, they find it hard to become educators when it comes to selling a course or something because it's like, hey, yeah, man, that's great. But I've got a hundred videos to watch for free on your channel. So it's like, why would I pay for it? Or when you do like um, free webinars all the time, it's like, that's all good that you got other stuff. But hey, man, I've got enough in the free. So if you're conditioned where you're always charging, then it's like, oh, it becomes, I need to charge, obviously, because when I pay, then I get something back and I pay attention as well. And so it conditions people. So every brand has conditioned someone to like whether they're going to pay, what price point they're going to pay, uh, whether they're expecting or waiting for a discount, um, if they're waiting for maybe Black Friday before they do anything with you because they know that you're the type of person that's going to discount. Um, yeah, we, we are the ones that created that, not the consumers um, creating that for themselves. That's interesting. I... I also think we're like stuck on this number, but I just, it's so good. This is like amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, when you're talking also another, another uh, scenario kind of came into my head of like the people that are um, charging, you know, back to the wedding packages, charging $7,000 and including an engagement session. I think that their motive is to sell them like to have more included. Like that is their like Mm -hmm. I'm giving mindset. So would you still say that that's something they should have separate? I would say they're doing the opposite. They're trying to upsell and hide it. So they're saying like, oh, I've got my wedding packages and I've got an engagement shoot and I've packaged it all together. I'm going to try and upsell you to a $7,000 package instead of a $6,000 package. So when I see something like that, that's the way that I say, like, see it. I'm like, oh, it's like buying a car, right? It's like, oh, you could buy this car. It's like $50,000 and we and it's got like the roof racks and mm-hmm. it's got the tents and it's got that. I'm like, yeah, I can see what you've done there. But if you could just sell me the car without all that, that'd be awesome. Uh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's like yeah, you, yeah. we think we're like giving them all this extra stuff, but they're like, I want to tell you that I want, I don't want that. And if I do, we're I'll doing add the it. opposite. Yeah. We're yeah, just yeah. tricking them into spending more by saying it's complimentary, but we're actually yeah. obviously you charging guys, for it. Mind blown. <laughs> okay. This is a, it's actually crazy. You could do a whole podcast episode on this because this is something that I've seen for years and years and years and it's blown my mind and it's taken me so long to even be able to have a conversation with people. Because most people will always throw this in my face and go, that's not how it is. And I'm like, I'm telling you, like, I know sales. And I've done, I'm, I'm not just saying what I believe. This is data. This is actually, like, this is data. <laughs> I like data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is data. And this is, um, because I track all this stuff. This is actually how 
people think when they when they're spending their money. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, we'll have you back for that podcast episode for sure. Yeah, I'm like, you may have to be our first repeat guest. There's just so much information here. Okay, number eight, become a master problem solver. So you guys probably knew this was already going to be in there. Um, But you need to solve problems. Like uh, if there's no problems to solve, there isn't any money. Now, (laughs) a lot of the reasons why a lot of people are becoming super successful right now is because there's because there's more problems in the world. If you have something like a pandemic, if you have smaller weddings coming up and people are not equipped for it and things like that, it means there's more problems. And the more that you solve problems, the more money that you're going to always make. Also, the better client experience. Now, you need to solve problems from every single interaction that you ever have. And I'm talking solving problems on your social media of like telling people what you offer. Like, where are you located? What do you actually do? What is your name? If your name's not even on there, what, what do you look like? There's no photo of you on social media. There's no name and there's no location. There's no offering. Then it's already a bad client experience. Now, if I jump over to your website and there's no location, there's no photo, there's no video of you showing your mannerisms, like how you act, how you talk, how you hold yourself, how confident you are, because, hey, you're going to be controlling someone's wedding. Then you've already made a bad client experience, right? So... If you become a problem solver, then it comes down to all the tiny little things in between everything. And then all the way, of course, down to the emails. So when someone writes you an email, if you're getting ghosted, chances are you probably are not solving problems. Now, there's always telltales in an email. People don't need to tell you anything. Now, with with emails, you don't need to have a long contact form. The longer the contact form the worse it is because you're going to get less people inquiring because you've made more resistance, right? So when it's like, you must tell me when, how you grew up and you must tell me the location, you must tell me all this, it becomes much harder for someone to get in touch with you. And as we know, we want less resistance to make the client experience. We want to solve their problems. Like just send me your name. That's all I need. And your email address, right? I'll sort it out. And when someone writes to me, if someone writes to me and they say like, Hey, Jai, um, love your work. Prices, please dates on in November. And that's all they're right. There's so many telltales in that. Like I get so excited about that email because I'm like, here's someone that's serious. Couple of different reasons. One is they got money. I know that. They're straight to the point and they don't have time. And if they don't have time, man, they're serious. So I write back to them and I'll say, let's just say this person's name Sarah. And I'll say, hey, Sarah, thank you so much for getting in touch and congratulations and getting engaged. I'm so excited for you. I also noticed that you didn't write much in your email and I totally get it. I'm busy as well. Now, you can either just jump on the phone with me if you want to, but like, look, seriously, you're so busy that you don't even need to do that. If you just want me to send you my price guide and a link so you can book the, and pay the deposit today, then let's make that happen. Because I'm telling you, you didn't even give me the date in November, but as soon as you do that, like, I'm going to tell you exactly if I'm available or not. And I'm really busy. So you better let me know fast, right? And then Sarah always writes back going like, Jai, oh my God, you're the first person that wrote back within 30 minutes and you addressed all my problems and I want to give you money right now. And I'm like, I know you do. Because while everyone else was saying like, give me more details, I can't really work with that and, and make it really hard for them, lowering their client experience, like, man, I'm just going in and solving the problem. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel like I've been doing everything wrong my whole business. <laughs> Emily and I are like, and I'm like oh, wait, wait what? a second. <laughs> no, but it yeah, makes sense. It makes sense. It, it does. Mm. And like from in my head, I've always been like, well, if they're not willing to take the time to fill out my contact form and like have a conversation with me, then they're not my ideal client. They don't care about, you know, right. 
who I am or a relationship with me. And oh, so- they care, man. I've got to say like they care and there's a telltale that they care. One is there's not many people that I know that are on the internet that look at a wedding photographer's website and then go to the contact page and then fill it out and press send if they weren't serious. There ain't many people. And then if your website is like um, converting people well to show your personality, show who you are and stuff, they don't even need to know. Like if you've got an about me video, if you've got like videos all over the thing and you've got like reviews and you've got your social media and... Man, they don't need to even... They can look at one of your reels and go like, I love this girl. Like Dawn, she's incredible. I want her to shoot. Send a quick message. She's on her way to work, you know? And then it might land on you differently though. And you go like, this person doesn't... They're not my perfect client. But the other person is like, I am the perfect client though. I'm busy. busy. Yeah, that's interesting. Because there's been so many times where I have wanted to fill something out and and I'm like oh, I, I want this, I need this, or like, this is my 100% choice, send me it. But they ask all these questions and I'm like, oh, dang it, I don't have time to fill this out. I'm the or same. I feel, and that's how I know this. I don't yeah. feel that long contact forms. I leave. I'm like, uh, no, or I, I feel the pressure to write the right thing. Like, I'm like, well, I need, I need like an hour to fill this out because I want to be legit in my responses, but that's not going to take a second. And I also don't want to just be like one word answers in this. So like, you know, it's a very interesting dynamic. That's really interesting. Can I give you one little bonus? Yes, one little please. bonus one. What if I asked you guys right now, how much money did you make this week? How would you feel? Uh, I don't have an answer. I know that you are on well, top you, of your you, numbers. You, you both look kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm like, I'm okay. like literally trying now, to think in my head is what I'm doing. <laughs> well, and now, and would you like to share that with everyone around the world? Probably not. Yeah, so... One thing that we do in our contact forms is we say, what is your budget? Mm. And we confront people saying, tell me what's in your wallet. Tell me how much money you have. Tell me what you have budgeted for your wedding, right? Or what's your budget for photography? That is so confronting to ask someone about their money and their finances when they're already insecure. I don't know how much wedding photography is worth. And I'm contacting you because I want to know. And now you're, you're like confronting me with my budget and I'm already stressed about it. I have anxiety. Or they said $2,000 and then you're like, well, you're worthless. When really they're like that exact question of like, I don't know what it costs. I'm just throwing numbers out here. I just don't know. Exactly. And and so they're going to write something like that because they're like, well, I don't want to get ripped off. But also I feel inadequate because I I actually don't know my own numbers. And when we don't know our own numbers, it kind of gives us anxiety because we're like, oh man, I, I feel like you know, silly and, you know, so many different things. And so when, whenever I see someone like inside the business map, if, if I'm doing a portfolio review and someone has that question on their website, I'm like, you have to take that off instantly. And I don't care who taught you to put on that budget to weed people out. It has to come off because you are instantly the first, before you even talk to your client, you're like confronting them with their money and, and their money choices and, you know, how much they have budgeted for things. And no one, people would rather talk about sex then they would talk about money. And I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, because I've always been taught the opposite. Like have that on there so that you can get a gauge for things and like have conversations about, you know, what collection works for them. And so do you recommend having your, anything about your prices on your website? Yeah, I think having like your actual prices on your website works well. I think having a starting price works well. I think having a price range works well. Yeah. Like if you have like, hey, I'm between five, uh, have packages from 5,000 to 10,000. I think um, a lot of the times we sometimes only put our starting price, but I think it's also good to have a full spectrum of price. So, so if you are from 5,000 to 12,000, 
Like you should actually probably say that because there's people out there that want to spend 10,000 and they don't want to spend five. And there's other people that want to spend five and not 10. And so I think the further along like your price range is from like um, from one end to the other, it means you're going to cater for more people. And if anyone's like me, like I always rather spend a little bit more money and know I'm going to get like a good job or it's going to be something that I love. Like I'm the type of person that spends, I spend way less. I don't buy lots of things, but I buy one big thing and I love it. And I save for it and I look at it and I think about it. And I'm like that with a wedding photographer. I'm like, yeah, I understand there's people that 5,000, but I personally, like I like nice things. I'm like, I want the $10,000 photographer. It's what I want, you know? Totally. Yeah, that's great. And that's why you and I hired Narav. Exactly. <laughs> Are you guys the same photographer? Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay, number nine and 10. Okay, I'm nine. on the edge of my seat. Okay. Um, I did say this one before, um, but I want to say it again. So number nine is don't make it about you, make it about your clients. So make sure that everything you share makes sense and relates to your clients. Change the story to engage and inspire them and talk directly to your clients as well. And when you talk to, directly to your clients, only to one client. Like so many of us, like if like I'm talking all over the place. If you're on social media and say like, hey guys, then there ain't like five people in a room watching your story. One person's watching it. And if you want to impact them, you should say like, hey you, like how are you doing? Would you like an engagement shoot? Because with my biggest package, I'm actually giving away a free engagement shoot if that's something you want, you know? So whatever it is, like talk directly to your clients. The more that you make it about your clients, and I know I did... Um, kind of go over this before, but like even on your about page can be about your clients. Like the emails can be about your clients. Like your website can be about your clients. And one thing I know for sure, let's just say I'm an educator now. So I'm Jai, the educator. I sell a business map. I could write paragraphs and paragraphs of all the things that I've done about myself. That's amazing. Um, sure. I could do all that. All the places I've been featured. Would anyone care? No. They'd probably like to see three sentences to know that I'm legit. But really, they want results for themselves. You know? So with that in mind, everyone wants results for themselves. So I could be an amazing wedding photographer. But guess what? No one actually cares about my wedding photography or about my education. They really do just care about themselves. And so if they care about themselves, then I'm, I need to have the humility to understand and let go of my ego that it's not me. And that it is seriously like, okay, I know that they obviously care about themselves. They love themselves. So let's make sure that they feel when they're around me that everything is directed towards them. The conversation is directed towards them. My body language is directed towards them. Okay, everything. One of the first things, this is probably might blow you, your minds. Um, when I started as a wedding photographer, I was like, I need to learn photography. And guess what's the first book I read? <laughs> this is hilarious. I was like, I want to be a wedding photographer. Uh, that means I need to know people. So the first book I read was a body language book. And yes. my friend that was learning photography, he was reading a photography book. He's like, you want to read that? And I was like, no, nah, man. I'm like, Let's just take photos, take pictures. That's good. And he's like, why are you reading the body language book? And I'm like, because if I understand people's body language, I understand how I make them feel. And if I understand how I make them feel, I understand if they're comfortable and how I can guide them to be comfortable with my language when I'm standing with them, when I'm standing with their family and stuff. And that's going to make me a good photographer. No, my camera ain't going to make me a good photographer. I already know that, right? Because there's amazing photographers out there that are not good photographers. Yes. I always, I, that is the thing I've always said is the one class that I have taken with me from college of my astrophysics major <laughs> is my nonverbal communications class. It is everything that I still use today because of that. Yeah. 
let's face it, culling isn't the most exciting part of the job, and the time spent going through every single image can really add up. Professional photographers have been able to cut their culling time in half using Narrative Select, so it's no surprise that thousands of photographers have switched to Select in 2021. Why? Select is fast, making it so you can cull through your photos twice as fast with no low-res images. And Select is smart. With smart technology, you can do so much. But my personal favorite is the eye and focus assessment, which lets you quickly identify if your subjects are in or out of focus and if their eyes are opened or closed. Once you've completed your selection, quickly ship your images to Lightroom with just one click. Narrative is a software company that's on a mission to create tools for professional photographers so that they can get back to doing what they love most, taking photos. Head to select.narrative.so slash take it from us and enter code take it from us 15 for 15% off selects pro features. Number 10. I'm hope- I'm hopefully I'm not boring you guys. Uh, are you kidding me? I'm like, not, uh, bored, I'm not bored at all. Very inspired. I'm sold. I'm inspired. I'm just to sign up for your course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody right, else go no. sign up. Okay. Number 10. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number 10. Make it easy. Now this one might sound super simple, but make it easy. It's seriously the amount of people that say like, oh, I'm not going to take credit card payments because it's um, it cost me 1.5%. I'm not going to sign up to you know, a CRM or Studio Ninja or HoneyBook or something because um, I, can just, I can just send them a PDF of my price guide and they can print it and they can fax it back to me. That's fine. Um, the amount of people that make gigantic stro- scrollable like contact forms on their website because you know, they want to get more information. Like I've got to say, like, make it easy. And the easier that you make it for your clients, like instead of you trying to save 1.5% on credit card payments, change the narrative because that's you trying to take, take, save, save. But if you go like, what do my clients actually want? Now I've got to say, yes, I pay a lot in credit card fees. I really do. Like crazy amounts. Like people would actually cry if they've seen the amount I pay in credit card fees. But here's a couple of things. With my clients, they have money. And I understand that. And so if they have money, they usually have an American Express. They usually have frequent flyer points. They usually have these things because they're business people, right? And so when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, of course I take your credit card, man. I'll take, I don't discriminate against money. Like you want to give me money? Like no problem. Give it to me however you want. Like dig up the old treasure chest if you want to and give me gold. I don't care, right? If it's easy for you. Now... I've actually had clients that have come to me. I remember there was like three clients and they both did orders over three, uh, $10,000. Um, and it was for weddings and they all wanted American Express. And they, they said that they went to three other photographers before me and they wouldn't take a credit card. And then they came to me because they knew that they honeymoon, they would get enough frequent flyer points if they had the credit card and they paid it that way. And then they said like, thank you for taking credit card. And I said like, of course, there's no way I would not let you walk out the door without swiping your credit card. I don't care about the 1.5%. Now, if I work that out, that's $30,000 worth of opportunity for my business because I'm trying to grow. I'm not trying to save. Now, just to sort of wrap, wrap it home, number 10, like make it easy. You've got to make the process easy in any way possible in everything that you do, like no matter what it is. And right now, if you're confused and you don't know what you sell, if you jump on your website and it's, it's hard to navigate, you don't know where you are or people can't find you, people can't find your contact form, there's no clear call to action, you don't make it easy in the emails, like you don't have a software that books someone in to like, you know, get into Zoom or something like that and you're going backwards and forwards, you don't have it easy for them to sign the contract or for them to actually give you money or, or you don't give them payment plans or you don't give them the things that they want. 
then you're just making business really hard for your clients, which are the people that pay you. So instead of making the business about you and what's easy for you, make it hard for you. Make it easy for them. Because otherwise, it's hard for them. Because it's easy for you. <laughs> and that kills sales. So oh. good. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> We've always said that like with HoneyBook and stuff and taking credit cards. Because people are like, well, I can save money by using Venmo. Or like, you know, I can use DocuSign. Or I used to, I, before mm. HoneyBook, I used to have people print out their <laughs> contracts and sign them oh, and yeah. mail them to me. And this was like in 2012. So um do people still do that problem. here, like in Australia. Yeah. Like I, I just signed up to like a, someone for like a financial planner, and she sent me a contract that I had to that I had to print and sign. Mm-hmm. And I wrote back to her saying like, "This is over. I'm going to yeah. find someone else because oh. I'm I'm not doing it." And I'm like, right. "If you don't have that much like respect for me as your consumer, and I was going to willing to spend a lot of money with you, then I'm definitely taking my money somewhere else because I just don't have time." To deal with people trying to save money on their end, if that makes sense. And like, then he sends like, a link to his CRM. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. and if you're if if you're marketing to a more luxury market, then you're able to raise your prices to cover those costs of the CRM and the credit card fees and all of that. So if it's just about the one to five percent, then increase your prices one to five percent to cover that because it's gonna yes. be worth it, you know, for both Here's, of you. This is what this is what the problem is, Dawn, I reckon. Like too many of us we try and do bare minimum. And so what we go is like, oh I could save one point five percent so then I don't have to do extra work. But what I want people to say is like, how can I show up and give one point five percent more value and add right. more value to my business so I can start charging more? Because man, if I'm worried about 1.5%, you need to get out of the realm of like doing bare minimum and you need to get in, into the realm of like, oh man, I'm, I'm over-promising, and over-delivering. I'm crazy given right now. And I'm so sold on this that I know I can put up my price to 10% and cover all the miscellaneous fees. And I'm going to be living the dream. you know. So I want people thinking growth here, not, not saving. <laughs> oh, incredible. Wow. Bare minimum. You know what bare minimum gets you? This this blows my mind. Bare minimum doesn't get you like like if you put in bare minimum efforts, what do you think happens? Bare minimum, bare minimum results. results. <laughs> yeah, absolutely wrong. Like imagine if you put in bare minimum effort into your relationship with your partners. Uh-huh. What would happen? You wouldn't Not, get bare minimum yeah. results. You'll get the curb. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you did if you did that at, at work, you would get the curb as well. Like if you did bare minimum results, like you wouldn't get results. You would get no results. You, you would be fired. And we think like that in our business. Oh, I'll just do the bare minimum. You don't get bare minimum results. You get no results. And even think about doing the, good. Yeah. Think about the people that... Or think about, you know, do you want to hire somebody doing bare minimum? Like how you would feel like put yourself in the customer's mm. shoes to then act that way too. Because there's no way I'm going to work with somebody that's bare minimuming <laughs> me. Like no. there's, there's no way. So it's like, how do you, how so, do you reciprocate that? Well, that's what I was saying. Like with the standards of like my financial plan, it wasn't the fact that she's making me print this thing. It was this. It was her standards of herself and her own business. And I was like, well, that's not good enough for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it might sound like I'm like a little bit stuck up on that, but the the end result is like you are as only good as the people you surround yourself with. And that's like I expect a standard from my team, from mm-hmm. my friends, from my wife, from the people I work with, the people I give money to. And if they if they're not like pushing and going to like doing better than average, at least not just bare minimum, then I'm like, man, like, I think I can find someone else somewhere else instead of complaining. Yeah. It's just a sign. It's like a small thing, but it's a sign for how much 
that person actually cares and how much you're going to probably get from them in the future. Especially oh, yeah, in that regard definitely. too. Like this lady's about to like charge you a ton of money for her services, yet she doesn't put the effort mm. in to even make the experience seamless and like easy for you and like organized and streamlined. Like that's a red flag in my opinion as well. So, And like what Dawn just said too, is like, I already know what the results are going to be. Like if she ain't even going to do that, I'm like, man, I don't want her like looking after my money. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wow, this has been amazing. Number 11, last one. Um, So this one here is one that I absolutely love and there's been so many studies on this. But it's called um, reciprocity. So it's basically... uh, Reciprocity is like the act of giving without expecting anything in return. But when you give something, always something else bigger comes in return. So there's so many small ways we can do this. But there's been a few studies, right? So in the, in the US, there's been a couple of studies that I've read through um, where they have worked out... Like if you walk into a car sales yard and um, the car salesman offers you tea and cookies and you accept it and you sit with them, then you are more likely to spend on an average $4,000 more with that car salesman because you believe you want to give back to someone that's given something to you. Now, we can use this in all parts of our business, but I believe like when you give something to someone, they always... people. Humans are actually nice, believe it or not. Like we're actually nice people. And when someone gives us something, like you guys know this, how much do you want to give back? Like you know this, right? Like deep down, like, oh, oh, Jai gave me something. Like I actually want to give back to him. Like, you know, it was a, ni- it was a nice compliment on, on something. Or he wrote me a nice message. Maybe I'll get him on the podcast. Like that's a nice thing. And, and we give back. But when we give back, we always give more. Because we're showing that like, I appreciate, right? We always do it. Now, if you are going and having a client meeting and it's at a bar or it's at a cafe and you're not paying for the coffees and you're not paying for a beer or something, like again, you're trying to save, like you just got to remember you're missing out on a huge opportunity here. Like you always got to make sure you pick up the bill. Personally, something that I do is um, I believe that PDF price guides are still the highest converting. Now, I know there's so many different things because of like on iPhones and things like that, and they can be different, but I believe they're the highest converting. And because it comes down to this one reason. Now, when I hired my architect, when he sent me back a PDF pack on like how to onboard me, what the pricing was, what the process was, I don't look at it on my phone. I go home and I sit there and I open my laptop because I'm serious about it. I'm going to spend some money here. And I look through this stuff and then I go with the person that did all that instead of just sending me a web page or just sent me the prices in the email or something. I'm like, this person is serious, man. And I reward that, you know? So I obviously don't reward if someone's not serious. But when someone gives me something and it's something as small as a PDF, they just gave me something, you know, a welcome guide. They just gave me something. I want to give back. And you know how I'm going to do that? I'm going to book... Yeah, I'm going to book them. And I'm going to get the biggest package or at least the middle package. And I'm going to add a few things in there. So yeah, wow, just something remember, we're doing huge. right, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> the PDF guide. I was like, yes, but he's going to say the PDFs are the worst. But I know, I'm like redoing my whole business. Okay, I'm doing one I thing know. right. So we, we've um, tested both. Like uh, we've, uh, you know, in the business, I've actually been testing out with a, a lot of people and um, we have had huge results with the PDF still and people challenge us all the time. But we actually track the results, conversion rates and everything and, and PDFs still come out on top. And it's because... You got to remember, like we are um, a, a high ticket item, right? It's like hiring a business coach. They're expensive, and so you you take it serious. Like we're not just like 
a price guy, I mean, pricing on your website is great when it's like a lower ticket and you don't need to make a huge sale because it's like, oh, I just need a new jacket, whatever. But when it's, someone's willing to spend thousands on having this experience, like then it's something like, oh, okay, we need to, we need to be serious with this. And that's why I believe like having something where people can dig into and it solves their problems and everything, um, I believe it gives that uh, reciprocity and people want to give back. I love that. These are so good. I'm like writing them down, putting them on my wall. Like I yes. need to remember all of these. Just... You have to, right? You yeah. have to. And like, I just want to finish this. This, this, this is 11 things. And, and this is inside my business map. And, and this is what I say to like all my students. I'm like, you got to like write these down, print them out, put them on your wall, mm-hmm. look at them. And, mm-hmm. and I want you to know them off by heart. Because when you get to a point when you know them off by heart, then sales become so easy. And you guess what? You get excited about sales. Because after all this, with all this stuff, you're like, oh, I just need to be the best version of myself. I need to be sold on my... I need to change my product until I'm absolutely sold on and I love what I'm doing and I'm best serving my clients. And when you come from that space, man, life becomes easy, business becomes fun, sales becomes exciting. I think it just unlocks a whole new level of self. Absolutely. That is, this has been so good. I know everybody listening is just getting every, like probably taking 800 pages of notes. At least I hope you are. Go back and listen and do it if you didn't. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving so much wisdom and insight. And just your your genius is welcome here and anytime. And we're just so thankful. I kind of, we want to wrap this up with two things. One being... Tell everybody where we can find you, what things you're working on right now. Is there exciting launches we can keep an eye out for? Anything you want to share? Yes. You can find me on my... my, I have a podcast called Make Your Break, uh, which you guys will both have to be on as well. Yes. Um, And I am actually just launching the the Wedding Photography Summit, uh, which Dawn is speaking at this time. And I know Emily will be speaking at in the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's... It's $7. We have 10 speakers. There's 14 hours worth of content. We've got a live DJ. There's workbooks. There's journals that we're sending out. There's tons of really good stuff. And um, I think you could, like a lot of people just don't understand that like, um, you've probably heard so many of these things over and over, but you have to keep showing up and listening over and over because every coach is going to show you something or teach you something. And maybe it's the same thing, but it's going to land on you differently. And it's going to make you... Um, acts differently. And until you get to that new level of self or, or break through the glass ceiling, you have to keep showing up like that. And so that's what the Wedding Photography Summit is uh, for us. It's like to celebrate a few things. Celebrate um, the educators because there's so many amazing educators. Like We make sure that we're like showcasing these educators and giving them a platform where you know they can bring their, their stuff and we can all collab together. And, I, and I'm excited about that. I think there's just not many educators that actually collab and work together. So I'm like, I think it's just so much fun. Then um, for all the students, it's just like you're rocking up to something and like you're getting a map that's just fast. Like, it's like fast tracking your success because you're learning from people that have done it over and over and over and they listen to books over and over and they talk to people and they talk at conferences and they do these things. And sometimes all you need to break your limiting beliefs or to get rid of um, imposter syndrome or whatever it is, is, you just need to get into a room with these people, mm-hmm. listen to them and realize they're just like you. And there isn't anything special about them and you have it as well and you can do it. And so that to me is one of the most inspiring things, you know, especially when I was first starting. I just wanted to see that, it, you know, success was for all of us. I didn't want to see that it was just for the 10 speakers. Like it's for me and it's for you. So that's cool. 
And it's seven dollars. So and it's seven dollars. It's seven dollars. It's gonna be so fun. It's gonna be so fun. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, and your Instagram handle—I don't think you mentioned. And so my Instagram is asjialong.co. and um, you can send me a DM if you like this episode and have a chat. I get back to everyone, and um, yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you guys having me on the show. And I know this is a new podcast. I'm really, really excited about it, and I can't wait to be the first repeat uh, guest. <laughs> yes. yes, we're already lining you up. We're lining you up. Um, so we end every guest interview with some rapid fire questions. So can we ask you some of those? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I, I gotta, right. yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, prepared for it. I just gotta say That's the point. Prepared, but you promised us <laughs> you're good on the fly. So okay. <laughs> we've got 10 questions on the fly. 10 questions. All right, here we go. What is a podcast you're currently listening to and loving? Yours. I love it. Uh, what's the last show you binged? Ooh, I've, I have this uh, this guilty obsession over like some really good Netflix. And, and in Australia, we have this other one called Stan um, show. So there's one that came out and it was, it's called um, The Wu-Tang Saga. Oh, and okay. I absolutely love it for two reasons. One is like really cinematic. But the second reason is I love the underdog story. You know, like I grew up when I was younger, like homeless and all this kind of stuff. So when I watch those mm-hmm. shows, I'm like, and they made their break and they made it big and stuff. So I watch it and I'm like, oh man, it gets me in the feels. So oh, I, 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 I think Tommy yeah, just I watched live that. For that show. He has a Wu-Tang sweatshirt. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty oh, sure just watching I'm that. Yeah, love it. <laughs> um, what is a book you're currently reading? Uh, right now, let me have a quick look because I, I actually read probably a book every four days. Oh uh, and I have done so. I guess he do. Like, he's like Beyonce where it's like, they, how do they have 24 hours in a day? <laughs> yeah. So I'm reading a book. It's, it's not good. Um, just so you know. Oh. Uh, it's called What's Your Message? <laughs> and I'm trying to find books uh, for public speaking. So this one's called Cam Barber. By Cam Barber. It's called What's Your Message? And um, personally, I don't think it's that great because it hasn't taught me anything new. So it might be good for someone. Mm. But also because it's What's Your Message and storytelling, the stories in it, ain't really moving me. And so that's like kind of get me. But I listen to the end because I know there might be one piece of advice that I need that's going to yeah. get me to wherever I want I think I you posted go. about this on your story the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just okay. finishing it. All right. So if, if not that book, what do you have a favorite book that you can recommend? Oh man, I got so many favorite books. Like it uh, depends on what you are after. But if you like marketing, I really like Purple Cow. Um, I like a lot of Grant Cadone books as well. Um, I actually just read the book uh, Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, which was really actually cool. Um, Building a Story Brand. If you haven't read that book, you have to read that book. That I is just like that. a game changer for everybody. Um, this is marketing. Seth Godin. Anything that he writes is like really, really cool. Oh, You Are a Badass at Making Money. Um, Jen Sincero. Sing. Um, I can't say a last name. Something I don't know like why. That. Yeah. Uh, that's a fantastic book. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. What is something that brings you joy right now? Oh, man. There, there is nothing in my life that doesn't bring me joy. It's actually crazy. But like, um, I think... I get, like you've seen my daily thing the other day on mm-hmm. Instagram. Like I get up so early because I'm so excited to watch the sunrise. I'm excited to go and exercise. I'm excited to get into my business. Um, to launch something new, to create something new, to do something wild and crazy, um, to get in and educate my like community. Like 
it's hard for me to find something to not be excited about. Like that word when I said before that anchors you, excitement. Yeah. Man, like I say that word all day long because I'm literally excited about everything. Like this morning I woke up, I'm like, I'm going to be on your podcast. Today's a public holiday. I'm about to go to the beach, but I was so excited to run down here to get onto this podcast. Oh, I love that perspective. Where does that drive come from? Like, do you have something to attribute that to? When, or? Yeah, when, when you um, come from a place of purpose and also like you be honest with yourself and stop doing things that don't best serve you. And you have to be brutally honest with yourself because there's so many of us that like, oh, I don't like to shoot this or I, oh, I don't like to do that. But we do it because it might bring us a little bit of money or something. So for me, like I've never gone after the money. I've always gone after the purpose. And because of that reason, I've been so broke so many times. Um, but it also means that like life is always so good because, because I'm not doing it for the money. It's I don't know if I can swear, but it's effing awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> I that. Um, wow. Side note on that question then, how many hours of sleep do you normally get in a day? Uh, I go to bed really early. So I get um, the average eight hours sleep. Nice. Perfect. Great. Just That's the secret. Ideal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question is if you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh man. It's really hard because I'm vegan, but I really love like cheese. Um, <laughs> so like I, I don't eat cheese, but I dream about it. You know, like I dream about like, um, like every time I go to Italy and then I have like a pizza, like I love Italian pizza. I love going to the US and having New York pizza or having Chicago pizza. Like pizza everywhere is just so different. Um, do you get vegan pizza think, or do you eat it and are miserable? No, no, no. I eat vegan pizza, but I'm always like, oh man. This is <laughs> yeah. See, I'm vegetarian because I can't give up the cheese. <laughs> yes. I love yeah, that. it's hard. Um, yeah, that's tough. Um, yeah. yeah, and I feel like the non-dairy cheese just doesn't doesn't, doesn't hit the same. Up. No, not yet. Hey, no. <laughs> got some work to do. Jai's there. next business adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The next question is: What is one of the biggest lessons you've learned in your business? Whoa, I've got to say, the biggest lesson is to stay humble. Because no matter where you think you get to or however many like goals that you hit or like whatever like success looks to you, how many, how many awards that you, you, know, you reach or whatever it is, um, it can come crashing down in two seconds if you ever become entitled. And you got to know that like the only reason why people are showing up for you now is because you show up for them. So mm. um, yeah, just, just being humble enough to know that that that's the reality. Like, you know, not, not ever thinking that you're better than you are or that you're better than anyone else or you're more important than anyone else or anything like that. So I think that is definitely the biggest. And like, it has been a few times that like I have become a little bit entitled with just thinking like people are just going to show up to something or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, you just need that reality check sometimes to realize that like, nah, man, like you need to, you need to make your own value all yeah. the time, every transaction. I love that. That's good. Yeah. Um, um, what's something you're afraid of? I have a feeling it's going to be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am afraid of um, becoming complacent and and not actually finding out what my potential is. Wow. Yeah. Sp- like spiders as well? Are you afraid of those? <laughs> no, nah, not spiders. Okay. I'm Australian. There's spiders everywhere. Oh, God. Um, they're huge. Yeah, they're it, way it, more terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say they're cute. <laughs> no. They, you learn to live with them. <laughs> yeah, oh, gosh. Um, what is your preference? Beach, mountain, city, or desert? 
Oh, geez. I literally <laughs> love all of them. What you have to. What's your favorite? Yeah, I, I have to say I love all of them equally. Like, um, all so good. Like, yeah. I would never be unhappy in any of those spots. <laughs> love life. <laughs> okay, last question. What is a five-year goal of yours? Um, right now, I like my um, property business, I want to have 25 million in property. And so that's like my ambitious, like crazy goal that I've been sharing everyone in the business map. They all think I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, what I realized is like what Elon Musk says is like, work out what you want to do in 10 years and then work out how to do it in one year. So I'm trying to do that. I'm like, how could I just do it in one year then? Because he reckons you can. <laughs> Meaning um, you want 25 million in revenue or you want $25 million worth of property out there? Worth of property. Um, and, and it's just so like, uh, for me, like of selfish reasons, it's, it's just so like I can... Um, have that income, like the revenue coming in so I can like help my family. Like I want to be able to, I actually want to be like, I want to, I love being a supporter, but I want to support my whole family because my mom's still in like government housing and still on the welfare and stuff like that. And like, wow. you know, there, there isn't a lot of money in our family. So um, yeah, my ambitious goal is like, man, I want to support for everyone. Like I want to be a provider. And so that's, that's me. He says for selfish reasons, and that's like the most selfless yeah. thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. And with everything that you've done in your business and in your life this far, you I see that for you in probably less yeah. than five years. No, I hope so. And, I mean, I'm going to make the it term work. unrealistic goal, right? Isn't that like yeah. what you used to define your goals? Unrealistic. Like, like, that's like, yeah, it's like my catchphrase at the moment, but yeah, it's... Um, I've seen that. Yeah, like un, like being unrealistic gets you excited because mm-hmm. if you have trouble getting up out of bed in the morning, Emily, <laughs> maybe wow. your goals are not maybe your goals are not more unrealistic enough because they need to be so unrealistic that they scare you, but also you don't know the next step and it excites you because it's like imagine if it happened, imagine if something happened, like it's you can't even imagine it happening. Like how can it even happen, right? Um, so the more unrealistic it is, the more it scares you, the more that you are going to like, it's no longer going to be a to-do list. It's going to be like your duty to make it happen, but you just got no idea how to make it happen. So getting up, yeah, at, I love being getting up that, at 5.30 tomorrow morning, everyone. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we all believe. There's no time right. to sleep when you've got unrealistic goals. You're you know right. I mean? like, and I do have them. I'm I'm up and at it. I also love sleep. Okay. Can you jet oh, Honestly, don't. Like a personal trainer. Can like, you please like, record like an alarm? That'd be great. If Jai would be like my alarm clock, get up. Uh, honestly, though, Emily, like definitely don't feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel bad at all because we no, all do run differently. And so the thing is like you being honest with yourself on how you actually work. I wish I could stay up at night, but I can't stay up past 9.30 PM. I went to right? bed at and 9.30 so, last night. It felt good. Did you? Yes. And I woke up at <laughs> like, like 8.30. <laughs> I was, I actually was up earlier yesterday. I've been getting up earlier and I'm creating this cycle, which it's uncomfortable at first, but I'm like changing my habits because I want to get up earlier. And my husband goes, you know, needs to go to bed <laughs> earlier. So I drag him down and make him more tired and all the things. So it is, it is something I'm working on and it does feel good. I actually really enjoy being up in the morning. So thank you guys for the push. That's really great. I'll be up at the crack of dawn tomorrow. 